What is up, everyone? Well, once again, welcome to another exciting, air quotes, episode of the Humanity Jiu-Jitsu Podcast. And today I'm joined by one of the biggest fucking coaches in Irish Jiu-Jitsu and MMA, Andy Ryan. He coaches Team Rhino. It's one of the biggest teams, literally. If you go anywhere to any competition, you see people covered in the Rhino, Rhino the Team Rhino stuff. I'm like, is it big enough, guys? <laughs> no disrespect. But guys, we talked a lot this episode. It's really good about him coming up when there was only jiu-jitsu barely existed in Ireland I think at some point there was like five blue belts in the country and there, that was it like slip pickings there you know we're talking about how they first got rash guards I got them off surfer dudes you know I don't want to spoil the episode but guys if you want to check out Andy or any of his uh, affiliates I'll have a bunch of uh, Instagram profiles in the, in the description I forgot the word description for a second <laughs> uh, but guys you know you know how it is Enjoy the episode and uh, you know share the stuff around. And if you want to follow us on anything, it's at Humans Jitsu, Humans Jitsu Podcast, Shani Judo Jits, and Con Gracie. So that's it. I'm gonna get the episode. Adios. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Humans Jitsu Podcast. Today's episode 78. I'm joined with one of the fucking. Biggest beast in Irish Jiu-Jitsu, literally and figuratively. <laughs> Andy Ryan, head coach of Team Rhino. What is up? What is up, Andy? Good. Everything's good. Glad to be on. I wouldn't yeah. like to be on episode one instead of seventy-eight. <laughs> well, man. Uh, to be fair, uh, it was it was Broen who was episode one. That's not too bad. He, he's he's under you, so you yeah, know, yeah. Broen. <laughs> yeah. Nah, I actually had him on again just there, and I had your other your other boy Andy Chapman on yesterday. Yeah, they're mad. They're crazy. <laughs> man all i'm doing is getting uh team rhino guys on so i figured i might yeah. still get the biggest team rhino guy mr no. team rhino himself no problem glad <laughs> to be on ah uh, nice so guys so sorry so andy first thing i want to know i, I learned want to know this about each and every one of my guests yeah how did you get into jiu-jitsu did you train anything else before starting it because i know you have a background in judo so how especially like how was your transition from uh judo to jiu-jitsu yeah so um Judo is the, is my first love, and you know I love the grappling sports, but judo was really was really for me. But I was always very well known for my groundwork in, in the judo. I would a lot of win a lot of fights for arm bars on the ground and chokes, and I was I always had a good arm bars from the guard position and stuff mm. like this, you know. And um, and what happened then was in the early sort of late maybe ninety four ninety five ish around that time in the army, I started messing about with a bit of grappling. Um, I didn't know much about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, but it was UFC and, and MMA type of stuff. And then around 96, 97, I hooked up with John Cabinet and, and a few other guys. And that was the intro to me to Jiu-Jitsu. But I didn't really experience it properly till in the 2000s. I was a little bit half in, in the, you know, we were a little bit sort of lost out here in Ireland. We would learn a lot mm. of stuff from the internet and videos and stuff. But it wasn't until I sort of freed, retired from the judo. That I sort of went down the jiu-jitsu road, you know. Mm. Now, guys, for anyone who doesn't know, he came up through through this t- period of time. I, I joke, and he called a uh, great Irish jiu-jitsu famine, where there was no yeah. jiu-jitsu in Ireland. Yeah. <laughs> like I made that joke to Paul Fox one time when I had him on, and he's like, <laughs> he's not even an old old man, and he's like, that made him feel old. <laughs> yeah. So even we were probably like five years before a lot of them guys. It was uh, there was I think at the time there was maybe five blue belts in the whole country. Um, it was it was crazy, you know, and that was I think for me, it was easier for me. I was a you know a, a dual black belt from 1992, so 
And a lot of the old school judo would be a lot of nay was a lot of groundwork anyway. So a lot of my fights would have been on the ground. So I think I fell into it a little bit easier. Mm. Um, but there was a time there when, like, it was it was crazy. I actually found a video. I was telling someone the other day. I posted a few of the little clips. The video is not great. It's great. It's not a great copy, but it's 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 twenty years old, and it's actually uh, me, Hodger Gracie, John Cavanagh, Dave Roach, training in nineteen ninety nine in a, a little handball alley, like a squash court with mats down, and we're rolling and training with each other for a couple of hours. And then it's actually Hodger Gracie does a seminar in Dublin around that time, 2000. I have that on tape. Man, I would kill to see that tape. Like yeah, then. I have it on tape. And then I have a competition in 2000. They had a, this um, World Martial Arts Organization had a grappling section in it. And it was a lot of the old, a lot of the guys you would see now who are, I suppose, black belts were, were there at the start. So it was myself, John, John Donnelly, Dave Roach, Bill McCann, the wrestling coach at my place. There was a lot of us and a couple of lads from the north and stuff, and it's a grappling competition. And we're all wearing like gays and judo. I'm actually wearing my black belt, the judo, I'm wearing my judo suit in because it was sort of all different grappling arts. But I have that on video as well. It's very good. I <laughs> mean, oh, does anyone complain about the judo gi or especially? No, they'd actually be happier because aren't the sleeves like a little bit like more out there with the judo gi? Gis? Yeah, they're, but they're hard. They're, they're hard material. It's it's. You know, they're not great for looking for chokes or armbars on. They're, they're tough, you know. Mm. Uh, so I imagine people were complaining about that. Like, yeah, yeah. he already beat me because his gi is slightly yeah. harder. Well, yeah. if that's your excuse, you suck at grappling. <laughs> yeah. I used to wear I used to wear a long sleeve T-shirt for some of the no-gi grappling matches. And then I used to use my sleeve for like, putting on the chokes. Because <laughs> <laughs> we didn't really know then. There was no rule, sort of. You know, we just was made up at the time. Oh, man. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. Like... Just, just wear a t-shirt, people. Like this guy came into our beginners class one time. He's wearing like a really like uh, a wife beater, like you know, like a typical wife beater yeah. thing. But the sort of thing came down like past his pecs, so it was like really like open. And then when he's doing the shrimps, it fucking got torn and ripped and fell off him mid shrimp. Yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Your shirt like ripped off you. Just, yeah. just wear a regular shirt, dude. Well, I, I remember the first rash guards we got. They were actually surfing rash guards. Mm. You know, that's what you wear, you know, before someone actually ordered something in from Brazil <laughs> in the States. That's what you wear, just black surfing rash guards, a big high neck on them. But you're not just wear a fucking uh, a wetsuit and have to yeah. zip on the back and just yeah, tear, yeah. tear up the mats the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, man. That's like, that's, uh, get, sorry, a quick aside. My biggest pet peeve is when people come in to the gym, they're wearing fucking shorts with zips on them and it'll fucking scrape the mats. I'm like, dude, don't, don't wear something with shorts in it or pockets. Like, what the yeah. fuck? Yeah, scrape no, someone's face. Yeah, you know what? I, you know, no bueno. Just wear regular shorts yeah. or just fucking gi pants and shit. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I just wanted to be crazy. I mean, sorry to get back on uh, track to bring it back to the judo for yeah. a second. How is the competition scene in Ireland? Like, this is like uh, when you're already like a judo black belt and doing that. How is the competition scene in Irish judo anyway? Um, I had this discussion. I I still train with me judo coach. He's actually seventy five years of age. We still run together. And trying, he's, he, he's a very active guy. And we were discussing this, and um, judo ha- goes in stages, you know. So for me, I, my goal and my love was always to make that Olympic Games in the 1960 or 2000, and it never happened for me for other reasons. But when I look back on it, I think it was nearly impossible for me, for me to qualify because I was the only one in the country at, say, my level trying to train. So there was no full-time facility. 
So mm. I would train him. My my own club, Port Marnock Euro Club, under a coach called Ray Steers, very good guy, good Euro player. Um, he was one of the best referees in Ireland. So I, I would train with him on a Monday and a Thursday. So it would be the usual. You turn up to the sports centre, you take the mats out of the storage, the mats are put down, that takes 15 minutes. Then the class starts, 15 minutes warm-up. Then a bit of Uchikomi and a bit of technique. So you might only get three or four rolls or randoris, as we call them, in at the end of the night. But the problem was, I wasn't getting randoris with, say, guys, my weight, I was fighting 90 kilos or 81 kilos, depending on the time of the year and what event was coming up. But I had nobody really competing at that. The guys I had was a guy called Eugene McManus, and he fought at 71 he was at the Seoul Olympics. That was like a long time before that. So it was very hard to get the level of bodies and training. So I went around different gyms during the week. So it was Monday I went to Port Marnock. Tuesday I went to the Cool Mine. That was a, a good old tough Dublin gym. A lot of senior guys, but they were a lot older than me. And they had they were they were very good club or Irish level players. It was mm-hmm. like, uh, if I look at soccer, it's like, you, you know, you're the goal scorer on Shamrock Rovers. But when you went to the Champions League, you sort of lost a little bit, you know. Mm. But I was only talking about this. Um, and then, sorry, then a tour to go to Port Marnock. Saturday, they'd go down to Stewart's Kilmo, uh, in um, Palmerstown. That was the sort of four days of judo. And then I would do Wednesday, Friday on the track. And I would run every single morning. And I would do weights, weight session every day. But I did probably 80% fitness and 20% judo, really. I was probably on the mat for four to six hours max, which is crazy. To compete at that high level, you've got to be on the mat six hours a day, you know? Yeah. So I would get that from going to training camps and stuff. So for me, I won a lot of All-Orleans and I won a lot of Irish Opens. But when I took that next step, I never reached my full potential. And I look back at it and I was talking to this with a, a friend of mine, a guy called Kikoff. He's, he was Barcelona Olympics in 92 and he's Ireland's only player ever to get a European medal. It's that hard, you know? Judo is like, it's, it's very elite, high level. It's, it's crazy. And you really got to go full time. I left it too late. You really got to leave Ireland as a young teenager, go abroad and train and compete, you know, go on the circuit. So for me, we were saying it was a little bit, bit like cool runnings, you know, we were that mm. kind of And when I, when I look back at it, it was, and because what I used to no, notice was um, you would go to a tournament, like say the Paris Open, which is a massive big event in Paris, and there'd be all the superstars you're watching on the, on, on the videos and TV would be competing, and you're competing against these guys. and I think I went to nine big tournaments in a row and got beaten fourth round every round. And it wasn't because the guys were better than me. I never prepared or I never trained and peaked properly for it. You know what I mean? So mm. I would go to say, I could be in Ireland here this weekend and I'd be fighting in the All-Ireland Championships at 90 kilos. And then on the Sunday morning of the squad session, I could be told, oh, next week you're in Paris fighting in the Paris Open. You know, stupid stuff. But what I did notice... I was losing all these competitions, but when we went to the training camps, I said, hang on a minute, I'm well able to hold my own here with these guys. What is it? You know, what's the difference? And it was only when I was talking to the guy, Keith, Keith said, well, of course you were as good as him because you're a good athlete and you're a good judo player. I know that, he said, but your preparation wasn't right. You know, you were you were killing yourself to make weight. Yeah, you hadn't got someone in the chair which you're coaching your own way. You weren't doing, you know, no looking up who you're fighting, what type of fighter he is. And you had no sort of guidance. You were doing it all mm. on your own, like a, like a round, and you were doing everything on your own, traveling on your own, training camps on your own. You know, so I think lack of education, not a good building blocks, you know, for that type of elite level was my downfall. But the local Irish scene wasn't bad. Um, a little bit like the jiu-jitsu here now, you know, it was up to a certain level, but when you take that step, you go to Europeans or you go, you know, to the worlds or you go something like that, you know, are good at certain divisions. 
But that black belt adult division, that special division, it's hard, you know. Mm. Yeah, man. I say, how would you say? Oh, sorry, just uh, this thing's just been boggling my mind for the past few minutes. You yeah. know, when you're, we you know, when you're throwing the mats down, it takes 15 yeah. minutes. How fucking thin were these mats? Because uh, I imagine, I imagine it was a rough and tumble sort of thing. The mats no, were no, like you're right. no, we were actually, no, we were actually, we were actually very lucky. We had actually very good judo mats, and we had a club in Port Marnie would have invested properly, and we had good Dan Rowe judo mats. It was good, you know. Uh, now, as a kid, that was different. As a kid, I trained in the club in the Dago County in Colester. And half the mats were made of they were wood, straw, and then a canvas cover. And in the <laughs> winter, winter time, they'd get damp and they'd freeze. <laughs> yeah, so that was hard as a kid. But as an adult, no. I think a lot of the mats, we had good, very good mats. Jesus, man. Fucking, the mats would freeze. Yeah, I've never... Yeah. Like, were they old-school tatami mats and shit? Old-school Japanese tatami mats. Wooden base, straw inside, and then the, the, the covering on top. How the yeah. fuck did you ever manage fucking surviving yeah. that? Well, I imagine you got broke a good hard throw on them. Yeah. You got uh, used to it. It's crazy. You got used to it. Yeah, now, when we were kids, then we'd come in, then we'd, we'd, as the mats were getting older, they were buying new mats in. And in the winter time, we'd be in, they'd be looking for the soft mat to warm up on or to, to, to stand on, you know? Mm. Well, there wasn't too many of them. Mm. Yeah, just before I forget, I have a few uh, questions here that I yeah. got off in- Instagram and Facebook. Uh, Oshin McCabe asks, <laughs> would Andy ever see himself coaching students to compete uh, in specifically judo again? That's first question. No, I don't think so. Um, mm. I think uh, I, I, my hands are full trying to do MMA and jiu-jitsu. I think mm. judo will be... like For me, if I was with coach if I wanted to, go, to compete at a high level so it would mean really starting from kids as a small group as younger you know young kids 6, 7, 8 and bringing them up to young adults black belt 17, 18, 19 but training 4 or 40 days a week mm. um, Ushian has a little judo class but it's, it's on that college le- level type of uh, you know if I was going to do it I'd want to go the full hog I wouldn't have the time or I wouldn't have the patience really at the moment um, mm. it's hard enough trying to teach run a jiu-jitsu gym and an MMA gym it's hard no, dude, and one, I understand. One, and one always sort of slack behind you, you know. Yeah, like I know, you, like uh, it's already a delicate balancing act with just the two of them, yeah. and trying to add a third thing in, you don't want to half-ass it. Yeah, because we wrestle as well in there, Jim. So we actually got the three things going there. Mm. So it's hard yeah. and add judo in and the time. And I think the only way that would work if it was to start a kids' class and build it up. Adults hate doing judo. They hate getting thrown. <laughs> yeah, I'm an adult with the mental maturity of a child, and I, I hate getting thrown. So yeah. that's as well. Yeah. You know, let's just say um. You know, with like a hypothetical scenario, say the sort of um, became in a few years it became more manageable, sort of balancing the two the two gyms, and you had a bit more time on your hands, like because of delegation. So you had like more coaches take care of more yeah. classes. Would you sort of consider it then if you had more uh, time on your hands? I'd have to really think about it. I'd have mm. to really think about it. The thing oh, I like no. with the thing I like with the jiu-jitsu is that there's no sort of real association, you know, dictating the talent is what to do. Everyone does their own thing under the team. Same with the MMA to a certain degree. I know we have Oima now that's, that's, that's helping to run things. So I don't know whether I'd want to get back involved in, in, in association, you know, small association. I don't know. I'd have to really think about that. Mm. Uh, good answer, man. We got a bit of a, a less serious question here of Hushin. <laughs> Cycling, is it just an excuse to keep the sexy Flanders look while Nogi classes are off? Yeah. Apparently, he thinks you look like a sexy Flanders. That's yeah. A- yeah, it's the leggings. I just, I just do the cycling to wear the tight cloud. That's it. I thought Nogi would have been good enough. Excuse for that. Yeah. Now, I, I, for me, the truth about the cycling is, is that um, 
in the gym, I'm always the coach. So even if I'm doing an OG class, I'm trying to train myself. I'm still the coach. I'm still teaching the class. When I was training with the guys, we, we, we have running programs and we have weight conditioning programs for all the fighters. And when I go to them, if I go running with the guys, I'm still the coach. So it's not the same. So the cycling for me is my training and my outlet from the gym mm. and me to be the student. So I always try and get advice off cyclists. And, and it's, it's, I think it's, it clears my head. That's, you know, and it has me a calmer person. I think. So I enjoy the cycling. I was only out, mm. out this morning. Doing a bit. I've been out the last three days to be honest with you on the bike, so I enjoy that. I think it's totally different to what I do, you know, and I'm not putting the pressure about being, oh, you're going to be the best, or you're going to do this, you got, you know, I just enjoy it. Oh, no, dude, I get you. Sometimes it's good to get out of the teaching role for a few minutes yeah. a day. Yeah. You know, helps clear yeah. the mind. Now, yeah. that's good, man. Now, another question we got was from uh, Rob Orlovsky, my uh, yeah. scary looking cunt I train with. Uh, how did he uh, end up with Rodrigo and how did his, uh, oh, he our ends that uh, transition for judo. So how did you end up uh, under Rodrigo, he says? So, um, I, I had a gym when I started to finish the judo, of the judo, even before that, with my judo coach, it was, we kind of called it Horizon Martial Arts. I actually, he, my judo coach actually found a t-shirt it's still in the packet that we got in the 90s. He had it in one of his presses. Yeah, I'll actually send you a little picture on a T-shirt. And it was called Horizon Martial Arts. And I think we had three little stick pictures of, like, striking, kicking, and throwing, something like this. So I had hooked up with John, and John was full circle martial arts, something like this. And I was retired from the judo, and the jiu-jitsu was the closest thing, I suppose, to it. And I liked it. And we were going down sort of one direction, and I didn't really know anything outside of the SBG, you know, what they did and what you wear. And then I hooked up with Rodrigo when he came over here for a seminar. Mm. And I just liked the way he taught stuff. And it was reminding me very much of my judo upbringing and the whole thing with the coaches and the sensei and the bound and the whole, it was very traditional. And we got mm. on very well. So for a couple of years, we trained together. I would go over to him and he'd come here. We'd, we'd, we would, uh, we were trained together. And then when I was forming the team, running a team officially and going full time at the gym, I thought, you know what, um, that's the. I think I think I, I want to go this route. We get on very well. We have the same sort of direction. We're we're, we're lovers of martial arts. It's it's not just about two nights a week and a match. It's it's the whole lifestyle, you know. Mm. And we just sort of clicked. So I went down that route. Plus, uh, a good friend of mine, Fergal Quinlan, had was training with Rodrigo as well. So you know, and he's probably one of the best jiu-jitsu players ever to come out of Ireland that nobody knows about, except those old guys, you know. That guy was winning medals in the Pan Ams as a blue belt 15 years ago. You know, people don't even know that, you know. So I think that route, that traditional martial arts route suited me, and that's why I went with Rodrigo. Hmm. Good answer, man. See, uh, while we're on the topic of seminars, since you brought up that you met Rodrigo yeah. at one, what was the first seminar you attended? Where it be like a judo one or jiu-jitsu one? First one you attended? If, if you can remember what was taught at cool. Yeah, well, so, so, so for, for in the judo world, you never really have a seminar. You'd have a training camp. So that was different where we would, I was, I travel all over the world camps, everywhere in the world with judo camps, where you would go for the week and it would be, you do two hours in the morning and it, 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 uh, like a technical session, lunch hour, two hours in the evening. Sometimes you run at seven in the morning every morning and it was more competitive. You, you don't really learn anything. Then the jujitsu seminars, um, we've had Minotaur in Port Marnock teaching a seminar. We've had, I've had, Dan Henderson and his guys training with us when he was over for the UFC. We had BJ Penn in my gym in Finglas when he was on his way. I actually have photographs of that. 
when he was on his way to Holland to train toy boxing to fight in Pride, he dropped in and he trained with us for the weekend. That was probably around 2000, I think. No, sorry, around 2005. That's when that was, yeah. so BJ Penn. But the best seminar I ever went to outside of training with Rodrigo was Cerro um, uh, Ribeira. Uh, I, I did it. We, John Kavanagh brought him here a long time ago. And what I loved about his seminar was him and his brother actually were there. And Zande wasn't really the big name at the time, but he was, he was really good. They taught the seminar like a class. It was very enjoyable. It was proper warm-ups. And it wasn't trying to teach anything super, you know, stupid that you're going to be lost, 100, 100 moves for technique. It was very simple. It was done very traditionally, like, like a judo class or, you know, a traditional jiu-jitsu class. And at the end of the class, the two brothers rolled with everybody. And hmm. for me, that was probably one of the best seminars ever, jiu-jitsu-wise. And we've, I've had everybody in the gym. I've had Brulio. I forget how many guys we've had in the gym. But we've had a lot of guys. We, I had Alexander Gustafsson come over and train with us for camp and done a bit of training with us. And, but another good one, Minotaur was re- very good. Minotaur came to Ireland for the weekend and he just wanted to hang out and train. What I liked about him was his flights were delayed and fucked up. He went to Cork down, trained with Liam. He came up to Dublin, then trained with us, and he went to Belfast. And instead of going home, he was going to go home, his flights were overpaid. He cancelled his flights instead and trained with us in my gym for a week. Didn't want any money or anything. He just wanted to hang around with us. And he came down every day and rolled with everybody. I think there's a video of me and him rolling together. Um, he beats me up. But, but he came down and trained and rolled with everybody and taught him. So that was a great experience to have that type. It wasn't just a two-hour seminar. It was spend a week with the guy teaching, you know? Mm. God damn man, I'm fucking really fucking chill as that man, hanging out and fucking rolling the shit with some fucking some of the greats, yeah, man. Yeah, some good shit. Oh, we, we've had we've had we've had some we've had some great guys come here. We had a what's that Brazilian guy who has the gym in he fought in Pride as an MMA, has the gym in, in New York. Not Marcelo Garcia, not to not not the hands of the other main gym in New York. Mm. Shit man, I'm tr- trying to think. Shaolin. Oh, Vitor, Shaolin, Hibero. It wasn't Vitor, Shaolin. It'll probably come to you in a second. Yeah, he was another great seminar. We had some great seminars in the gym. It'll come back to you. So, like, uh, I got one question here. I only added this question in lately. Is there anything in the jiu-jitsu or MMA community that you don't like and you you would like, uh, if you could, you would change it? You know, just something that really annoys you? I think the MMA and jiu-jitsu are two different worlds. Um, I think in the MMA, it's it's a lot more rivalry. Uh, mm. I don't get into that bullshit I, I'm still nah. very good friends with most of the teams nearly all the teams I try and get on with them all okay people do people sometimes I have changed over the, uh, over the years so 10 years ago you probably asked me that question I'll give you a different answer I would be more aggressive and more you know no I don't get involved in that shit now I'm, me and John Kavanagh are two very big rival gyms he's a big gym I'm a little gym compared to his but we're very we rival we compete against each other all the time but we're good friends you know mm. The same with Paul Cowser out in, in, uh, in Rush, competitive gym. Still good friends, you know. So we get on. I think jiu-jitsu is different. We're a bit more friendlier, a bit more easier to get on with. We mix a bit more. I find my pay at the start was, and I said this in the podcast the other day to someone, is jiu-jitsu we, in Ireland, and, and I don't know about the UK, but we're very much who's better than who. Or, you know, I was only saying this... A good few years ago, someone had a post on one of the, I'm not sure it was Facebook or boards or some bullshit like that, and it was, who's the best jiu-jitsu player in Ireland? Is it Andy Ryan or is it John Cavanagh? And as I was saying to the lads the other day, it's, it's none of us. Like, jiu-jitsu is in a bad way if a coach is the best player in the country. 
it's the Daryl Collins and the Tom King at the time and you know all them young competitive guys you know the other thing was I used to do in my head in was a lot of the young guys hadn't got that respect for the older jiu-jitsu player you know mm. you, you could have a 55 year old or 40 year old black belt on the mat that could have been a great competitor 20 years ago that probably has a couple of bad injuries or could be working six days a week as a family at home and some young competitive athletic purple belt taps him and thinks it's a big deal no it's not a big deal you know, nah. it's martial you would never see that in boxing or judo like, I, I was in a training camp in, in you know Austria Paris f- France there's loads of places Hungary you know you'd be on a training camp you would never see a competitor asking a, a, a coach up to, up to have a randori or a role and if a coach asked you out, out for like a randori you don't throw the coach you know now it's different if the coach is younger and he's competitive himself still that's different you know hmm. and he wants to have a competitive role and um, you, you wouldn't see that. And the other pet I used to have was, you know, guys would be, you know, a new blue belt in the gym and you'd be sh- showing a technique and they'd be, no, no, I would do this and I would do that. Hang on a minute. Let's learn this technique. Let's slow it down. And then when you learn this technique, then we can try, you know, what, what you're saying. You have to listen to what, the, you know, we learn from the beginners all the time, but you've got to slow it down and listen. But there are two little things. We're getting better. We are getting more friendly with the mm. gyms. And um, I think that's happening. I get on very well with 99.9% of the uh, jiu-jitsu gyms in Ireland. I think it's a different, it's a different thing than the MMA, you know. It's, mm. a, different, it's a different animal. Now, see, even with the whole, uh, oh, fuck everyone at that gym thing, that's fucking stupid. Now, if you yeah. have a grievance with one particular person at the gym, say, oh, I don't mind the gym, but that one person there is a dickhead. I don't yeah. like him. That's fine. Yeah. You know, uh, hate individuals, don't hate groups, yeah. you know. You know, I yeah. there's a few people at certain gyms I don't like them. I don't tar and feather the whole gym. You know, everyone else's gym is fine. Yeah. You know, that's that's fucking it's very stupid and ignorant in my opinion. Yeah, people always ask me, uh, who's the best jiu-jitsu gym in Ireland? I say, well, East Coast, by a mile, because they've the most young competitive guys. They've got good coaches over there. They're doing that a hundred percent. Me, SBG, a lot of junior gyms, we're doing two or three sports, so it's hard to direct all your time and effort into. You know, it's one direction. Um, but when I look at the kids, my, my team is probably the biggest, probably the, well, we won the Irish, the Irish Championships as the kids a couple of years in a row. We have a massive kids' army. You know what I mean? So that's good. But who is the best jiu-jitsu club in, in the country at the moment is East Coast. Who's the best MMA gym in the, in, in the country is SBG. I've no problem saying that. You know, yeah. a couple of years ago, I'd say, fuck them fuckers, real fucking, you know. No. Yeah. yeah. And I say, okay, well, they're setting a target for me now to reach that, or to get that. You know what I mean? And man, like, here's another thing. Like, if you if you have the choice to go to a bunch of places, like, say, you could train at the best clubs or this other one, you know, if you try the boat out and you prefer the other one that isn't air quotes the best, you know, yeah. you might actually prefer it there. The people might be friendlier, or you know, yeah. the schedule might be better for you. Who knows? Yeah, it's just yeah. person to person sort of affair. Yeah, opinion. listen, whatever suits. That's the other thing as well. If someone comes to my gym and trains with me and then says, listen. Prefer it over there. Best look. Oh, go ahead with it, you know. But don't yeah. ban me out there, Jim. Don't stab us behind yeah, the back. You know. 100%. Yeah. We we the same with, with the students. You know. I have a little rule I do, and some of the other coaches do as well. If someone comes to my gym from from another gym, so if someone came to my gym from East Coast or from Rogers or from Barry's gym or anything, and said said, "Can I train?" I'd say, "Yeah, no problem." And I would ring the coach and say, "So and so wants to train with us. Is there any problems over there? Is that okay?" Because you don't know what's going to happen. Why is he coming mm. to your gym? Yeah, for all you know, for all you know, they could have been kicked out of that gym. Like yeah, five you want to be ago. respectful. You want to be respectful. I think that I think that's a big thing. Um, you get that in the jiu-jitsu all the time. 
Hundred percent, man. Yeah. yeah. See, we got a few questions here aimed at coaches. So, yeah. if you if you don't mind, uh, what's the first sort of uh, just for a jiu-jitsu situation? Like, what's the, the first sort of technique or move or concept or whatever that you'd instill in like a day one beginners class? What's the first thing uh, you'd go over with them? Well, realistically, it's just about being a bit loose on the mat, more like even before you show a technique, tumbles, backward rolls, uh, mobility. People, adults, especially, especially fellas starting this sport at an older age, if they're not coming from, you know, being a young kid, active sport, where you've done sort of, some sort of martial art or gymnastics or something like this, it's very hard just to be basic mobility and freedom, you know. So we, we would do a lot of brake falls, tumbles, cartwheels, all these type of stuff. And then basics, really, really basics. I don't get caught up in, in trying to get too, too, you know, heavy on the technique with them. The basics. I have a uh, beginner coaches near gym, Howard Manuel, a black belt under me, and Robbie Brennan. And they're very good. So we teach a little bit of judo. We teach them all the break falls. And then we will start them from standing, some sort of throw, guard position. And we sort of lead, nearly let them be free a bit on, on the beginner classes. You know, we try not to be too structured, and, you know, because everyone's got to learn how to move. And mm. you're not going to get that without being letting them be a bit, a bit free, you know. But I think keep it as easy as possible and as basic as possible at the start. Like a white belt, 34-year-old comes into your gym that has never done a forward roll. There's no point in trying to teach him about bowling. You know, <laughs> teach him about his, you know, his, how to fall properly, how to get up off the ground properly, how to hold his posture, where to put his arms, all the little small things. You know, how to protect your neck, all the small things. And maybe do one little thing, scissor sweep, and tell him why you're doing the scissor sweep and what the guard is about. You know, little things mm. like this, small. And then as they get a little bit more used to rolling on the mats. Then we'll add in submissions and stuff like that, you know? Mm. Sure, man. Since you brought up the Baron Bowler there, man, I've been doing jiu-jitsu nearly four years. I can't Baron Bowler for the life of me. I could say I pulled it off one time and it was yeah. like a freak accident. I'm like, okay, I guess it's a, it was a Baron Bolu. Yeah. So, that's, no, I don't even want to think about that shit. No, no thanks. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> now, for like a, an intermediate or advanced class sort of um, scenario, what would you, what sort of coaching would you emphasize? Would it be drilling, rolling, or positional oh, sparring? Well, yeah, so it, it, it depends. So we, we'll have two different levels on the mats. We'll have the guy that's maybe the blue or purple belt that's a part-time guy that trains twice a week or three times a week. And then we might have the same guy graded that with that grade that's more competitive and wants to compete in jiu-jitsu or an MMA player like Reds are on the mat. So for that level, it's basics better, good conditioning, and to follow up on position, no pausing. So you'll see a big mistake when beginner gets swept. They pause two or three seconds before they react. Or if someone's passing guard, nearly all beginners will sort of stop. Why is it getting past me guard? Where that guy that's that intermediate advanced they're not, you know, nine out of ten times you're not going to pass that guard. You know, nine out of ten times you're not going to get that submission because you're constantly, you know, defending or chasing. So that's the thing for me. And what, what builds that is good conditioning and doing those basic techniques really, really sharp. Mm, 100%, man. So, yeah, uh, is there any sort of advice for, like, future gym owners and coaches that you would uh, give them? Like, say, yeah. certain pitfalls to avoid, like, mistakes you've made that you don't want them to make? Like, yeah, what's yeah. your sort don't, of take? don't. Don't do things too big too quickly. You know, uh, enjoy the process and take time to grow. Some guys will say, okay, there's Andy in the gym, black belt, and he has this and he's the mats and he's that and he's, he's 100 guys on the mat. Yeah, but it's taken 20 years and I had, I've had ups and downs to get to that position. So enjoy it. Take it easy at the start. Never be, like if you might get, but this is the thing, 
you would never get in, in, in boxing a guy that has three fights open in a boxing gym or a judo player that's a yellow belt, a green belt open, open in the gym. It's, you know, but you'd very rarely get black belts open in the gyms. So don't put yourself under pressure to open it unless you like coaching and that's your, you know, your lifestyle, you know, and you have a good base behind you. Open your gym, but don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to fail. Even you're going to make mistakes. But if someone comes to your gym that's a higher grade than you or, or someone tougher, don't be afraid to let them take the lead or ask some questions. Don't, you know, you, you got to lose that ego. Take things easy and little small steps at the start. You know, there's no hmm. point in saying, okay. Oh, I'm have been training with Andy there now and I'm living out this way and I'm a poor about now. I'd like to start my own gym. You know what? I'm going to look for an 8,000 square meter place, four mat areas, change room, showers. Hang on a minute. You've no, you don't want to go into this gym yet. you got to start small and build your way up and enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Mm. Like unless you win the lotto, you're not opening up that fucking chemising gym. No, but you away. see, people think that. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, good luck trying to. Good luck with that, buddy. Unless you wanna, you got. Yeah. Like I said, you got. Like, sorry, like you said, sorry. You got to start small because, like, if even if you yeah. do manage, even if you do have the budget to open up that China yeah. gym, it's gonna shut down like a year. Yeah. Let's let's be honest. That's yeah. not maintainable. Yeah. Pretty stupid. And you yeah. don't need that in the flashy. A couple of mats in a room. That's all you need. A couple of bodies. That's it. I do. Less. Less is more. Yeah. I see. This is a really good question. This always, uh, this always gets people. See, uh, what would you say is the most important value you've tried to instill in your gym environment? Um, I have a few things. So we, we, we our, our whole thing is team loyalty, honesty, and respect. I think respect is the big thing. So you have to respect the, the guys teaching it and coaching it, and you have to respect your training partners. If I don't respect you and I'm rolling with you, you know, and you don't respect me. We're never going to learn from each other. We're not going to get on. We're going to put a bad vibe in the gym. We're going to get injured. And it's the same with the coaches. I seen it when I went to, you know, when I went to the States and I'm on the mat and there's more medalists on the mat and there could be a coach in his 60s or 70s teaching and them guys are listening and paying attention and have a lot of respect for that coach that coach is showing. Okay, these guys are world champions. But they do that when they finish the class. They respect that coach and respect his position and his grade. So for me, I think respect is the big thing. Respect, you know, everyone. And the same with your opponents. You go, you go, you, we go, uh, you know, to a competition. Okay, I want my guy to beat the head off this guy. But shake hands before and shake hands after. Win or lose, you know, be respectful. So I think respect is the big thing for me. Mm, 100%, man. That's fucking really good. Like, man, you know, I have this sort of a, I said this in one of my episodes before, like uh, whenever I'm fighting someone, you know, I talk to them and I treat them like I'd get a pint with them. And man, I'm yeah. pretty pretty friendly with most people that I fought with. And in one case, I actually did have a pint with them at this one time. Yeah. So you know, we're sure yeah. we're all just trying to fucking strangulate each other as best we can. Yeah, listen, so, I can you understand. Know. We go to competition and we have two young guys in their twenties that are in a you know high division, and the, you know you're gonna your course. I don't want to talk to you for a fight, and I'm gonna be in the zone. I'm gonna fight, beat. I'm gonna fight you, and hopefully I'm gonna beat you. At the end of that course, we're gonna have a beer after. We shake hands and chat. It's no problem, you know. But just don't be a dick. Yeah, hundred percent, Shaman. I actually prefer talking to people before I fight them because you know it just reminds me. Oh, sure, he's just a person who fucking cares. I didn't as, an, as a as a competitor, as a junior competitor. I was very much. Um, I wouldn't say. I, I I didn't want to be a friend before we competed. I was in a zone, but I had no problem shaking hand. We start and when we get off the mat, we have a chat and usually, you know, you're traveling abroad. We have a beer that night together, or you know, no problem. But for the competition part of it. Now, that has changed since I went into the Masters. 
Masters mm. is a little bit different. You know, um, I was done the Pan Ams in 2011, and we were all masters, you know, and there's no big deal. And there's only one dick that didn't want to talk to us all. He was running up and down like he was in the black belt, adult, you know, heavyweight division that he was competing. Yeah. And I, I actually got the fuck of first round. And uh, I beat him. And he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't even, I wrist locked him. He wasn't even respectful. He screamed and I wrist locked him. He looked at me as, as if to say, you know, what, 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 what the fuck are you doing, you know? <laughs> so, but the rest was all chatting to each other. The rest was all had a bit of crap, you know? Oh, man, he's, he's the one running around. He's, he's the one running yeah. around like it's the fucking, like the world's going to end if he loses the match. Yeah. So, yeah. what the fuck's he doing? Uh, that's, the, that's the thing I had to learn as well from being a competitive athlete to then turn to be a coach and then being a competitor on the side. Because if you're a coach, you're a coach. And it's hard to do both. So I have to learn to, if I go to a competition and I'm on my own, I can give myself a bit more time. But if I'm going and I have students, well, I've got to get, put them first. You know, and it, sometimes, yeah, I've made the choice a couple of times where I've gone to the Europeans and I've decided I'm not competing. Because if I compete, I'm going to be on the Sunday. And my guys, I can't coach them all week. So I'm going to fly out late. Because I made that mistake before of coaching for six days in a row. And it comes the time you want to compete, you don't even want to be in the venue. You're Ugh. in that hall. Because I, I, I was there, say, with a coach, as a coach, and I could be there at 9 o'clock in the morning with a blue belt. And it could be in, it could be in the medals. It could be in the actual... I'm there at 7 that evening. And that could be going on for five days at the Euros. You know what it's like? And then you're expected to compete on the last day. So I had to make that decision. That's the one thing I had to learn. I had to learn that, you know, you're either a coach or a competitor. It's hard to do mm. both. Ah, you know. No, that's a good point, man. Okay, so Andy... <clears throat> Yeah, sorry. We just reached a segment of the podcast. I like to call around the specifics. Just a bunch yeah. of random, qu- random questions. Some about jiu-jitsu, some aren't about jiu-jitsu. So, do you want to do a round of specifics? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> awesome. Hit me man. up. Okay, I'm hitting you up. And uh, what would you say is your favorite key in your collection? Um, the I I like the zero G, the Tatami zero G. I'm very lucky that um, the Tatami sponsor me. They have for about the last ten years, and they send me loads of stuff every year. And I've all the gears they have, but the zero G, you know that one? Yeah, the, the old, the old, the old one. Yeah, yeah, it's my yeah, favorite. Uh, you have the nice blue one. I, I, I got a black one of them off of eBay one time because I went scouring. I go scouring yeah. for old geese because I'm, I'm a connoisseur. But man, the fucking, uh, the blue one you got is fucking really good. Yeah, really love that. I shit. just find, I just find it very light and easy to move in. Sometimes mm. I find the Astelia was a little bit hard and stuff, you know. But I just like the zero G. I just like them. Yeah, plus like a. Yeah, go on. Uh, just one little gripe about the Estilo. Like, even because you know, when you when you get a gi, it's just that little bit too long, and then when yeah. you wash it, it shrinks. It's perfect. The Estilos don't do that. There's no shrinkage. It's a bit annoying sometimes. But I do uh, love the Estilos. Like, I'll just go to the seams, just get the sleeve taken up a yeah. little. I'm happy out then. Yeah, they're a great gi. Yeah, I love them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, do you speak uh, any other languages? No. Dublin. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I, I'm not, I'm not fluent in Dublin. I only speak a tiny bit because, like, I, got I would love, I, I would love to speak. I'd love to speak another language. Uh, one of the guys in my gym, John Donnelly, he's, he's one, he's around a long time MMA fighter. He's, he's around since the '90s as a teenager doing jiu-jitsu and stuff. He's a brown belt. He's a brown, he, he, but he's doing jiu-jitsu, jiu-jitsu for 20 years. He just doesn't do it regularly enough. But he speaks fluent Portuguese, and he's from Dublin, inner city town, Dublin. As Dublin as you can get, but he's fluent Portuguese, so it's great when we have seminars and guys come over. He chats away to them, and you know, <laughs> man, like I tried to learn Portuguese at the fucking. Do you ever see the app? What's it called? Duolingo, I think. But man, okay. I do not, I do not have the fucking patience with that because yeah. you know, trying to you know, 
trying to be consistent with it is fucking annoying. Plus, I'm really lazy sometimes. You yeah, know I, th- I think I think some people say Spanish is a bit easier to learn. Mm. Yeah, I heard Spanish is easier. I might try Spanish and just uh, yeah. and I'll move over to Spain and just try to shoot everyone there. Yeah. And you know, you have uh, I'm at, <laughs> that reminds me of something. Get, get this before I get on to the next question. Just get this. When I first started jiu-jitsu, I was training in about uh, six months, and then I went on uh, holidays to Spain for ten days. I was like, I was bored off my head because I wanted to do jiu-jitsu. I yeah. find out on the day I'm going, there's a jiu-jitsu gym nearby. I'm like, for fuck's sake! I could have gone there and trained all week. So what the shit? <laughs> yeah, man, that annoyed the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah man. Uh, so next one, uh, is there any movie that you would describe as underrated in your opinion? Like you like it, but no one else does. I don't fucking know. A movie. Now, I watch that much shit now on Netflix, and I love watching the old westerns. Oh, dude. Films. What was this one? It was uh, it was the one with Tom Selleck and Alan Rickman where he's in Australia. I think it was fucking... I can't remember the name of it for life of me, but he had this fucking super special rifle, and there was a bunch of naked aborigines running around the movie. Oh, I've like... actually seen that coming up. I never, never watched it. Yeah, I've seen it. I have that forest stick, and it comes up. And yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, trust me. That's, that's a really good one. It's a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, they can't beat the Goonies. The Goonies. <laughs> I had to tell the, the guys in my gym about some of the films and they haven't got a clue. They haven't got a clue. Star Wars, not the new ones, that modern shit. The old yeah. Star Wars, the Goonies, Stand By Me, they're all great movies. And I love mm. all the old westerns, the Clint Eastwood films. Oh, uh, dude, you can't beat the good and the bad and ugly. That is yeah. best one hands down. Yeah. Don't even... Don't even try. Yeah, sorry. Man, what would you say was your favourite TV show when you were growing up? Monkey Magic. Hey, that's like the second time I got that. Like Someone said that before, Monkey Magic. Who, who gave you that before? It must be someone old. I'm trying to fucking... I think it was Paul Fox, but I can't yeah. remember. I'm not sure. Yeah. He's well, old. I, I think it was Paul Fox. What's the deal with Monkey Magic? Why, why, why do people like so there was So as kids when we grew up, so... The whole Crally Kung Fu thing, the Bruce Lee thing, would have been sort of out in the sort of late seventies, eighties, and that another program called the Water Margin. That was another big one. But Monkey Magic was sort of, you know, there was nothing else on. You probably had four stations, and this was a martial arts type of future, you know, made up bullshit. He was a monkey. There was a pig in it. There was fucking a talking horse in it. There was, you know, so it was. It was. It was I actually. I actually watched, rewatched the old episodes here a while ago. They're very good. And then what I nearly got sick was they've made a new monkey magic. It's oh. fucking, it's bad. It's 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 made in Australia, but it's meant to be China. All the Chinese have Australian accents. Monkey is a fucking Australian accent, but it just doesn't look. It doesn't look like the monkey magic I watched. How would that even work? Oh my, your fucking yeah. dragon style is yeah. not match my fucking monkey. Have style, a look. Look it up. Look up the old one. Look up the new one. Man, I, I have to know. I have to imagine Australians pretending to be Chinese doing Kung Fu. I have to see yeah. that. Yeah. Man. Oh. Man, what would you say is the most embarrassing injury you've ever had? Would it be a jiu-jitsu injury, non-jiu-jitsu injury? Just the way you got injured was so fucking ridiculous. Yeah, okay. So, uh, you know the way we get our hard skin on the bottom of our feet? Yeah. So, I was about 17 years of age, and I was in the judo club, and we were warming up playing football. It was a Sunday. It was a nice summer's evening, and... One of the guys went to tackle me, and whatever way I kicked, and I caught the side of the mat, the back of me toes, the line here where your toes is, I ripped them, it split open. So I had to go to the hospital, I had the judo suit on me, thought it was great. And then uh, they injected into the foot. But every time they injected, I was screaming the place down. Because you know, when someone touches your foot, your leg jerks. So they had to hold my leg down, 
and I got the injections in and a few stitches. So that was probably the most embarrassing. I've, I've listen, I've broken hands and I've broken ankles and I've, I've more injuries. I actually tore my hamstring there wrestling with one of the guys before the lockdown. I had a bad hamstring injury. Um, you know, I was actually laying on the ground for 15 minutes, letting on there was nothing wrong with me. I couldn't tell any of the younger guys I was injured. But I think the foot, the foot one was the worst because I ended up in the hospital getting stitches with the judo suit on me and I looked like a right baby screaming. Oh man, one time, uh, <clears throat> sorry, feeling like shit today. I got a, I got a headbutt in training one time and like uh, my fucking eyebrow got split open underneath here. I had to go to the hospital. It was no gi and I was wearing a fucking spider. It was good day to wear my Spider-Man rash guard with the long yeah. sleeves. So I sat there and my friends had already wrapped up my head before I went to the hospital. So, you know, stop the bleeding. So I was there with a bunch of wraps on my head, covering most of my eye and a fucking Spider-Man tight Spider-Man fucking um, rash guard. I looked like an absolute fucking idiot just sat there. Because <laughs> I, I, didn't, I didn't have the forethought to put on my fucking hoodie or anything yeah, else like that. Yeah. So like, I'll just go to the ER and the fucking Spider-Man yeah. rash guard. Yeah. Fuck's sake. Uh, but man, as, to get back on track, man, those fucking slide tackles that they do in soccer sometimes, it looks like they're trying to do a fucking flying scissor to shit they be doing. It's yeah. fucking crazy. Like, man, I didn't know you're like Connie Basami into a fucking Champions yeah, League. Yeah, I used to do that. I used to do that. was my technique as a kid before they banned it in judo, yeah? Why'd they ban it, man? A lot, fucking... a lot of people smashing their shins, breaking their legs. Um, because <sighs> if, it's do, if it's done wrong, you get, yeah, there's been a lot of leg breaks for it. I know there is, but that's no excuse. That's like, Sherman, the amount of fucking injuries with jumping guard shit. Like, I, I saw a lady get her shin snapped in half yeah. by, by oh. guard jump. Literally. Oh, fuck. Why, why aren't guard jumps banned? Yeah, you know, it's, it's fucking stupid. But you know, I like Connie Basami. It's really cool. <laughs> I can't do it for life. I can't do it for the life of me because I'm a fat piece of shit with no coordination. But uh, I respect it a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. What's uh, it? Uh, do you do you have any uh, nicknames in the gym? Me? No. They just all call me grump. Well, grump. I'm very grumpy sometimes. I'm a bit more mellowed out now. But they do call the, the younger Neil Siri. You know Neil Siri, the UFC fighter in there, Jim. He 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 gave me a name rather than Lotso. You know Lotso, the teddy bear out of uh, Toy Story. The oh yeah. Alcoholic. So that's what they are. <laughs> they call me Lotso. That's not funny. many not many people know that. And, oh, and my wife and kids thought it was because of the teddy bear. It was cute, and then they watched him in the film, and he's a grumpy old bastard. So he said, "No, that's why." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, they, call, that's they right. call me Lotso. Oh man, uh, if you could time travel to any historical period, uh, where would you go and why? Mind you, you don't have to stay there, you can come back and forth if you want, just where would you go? I don't know, we always love watching the old Roman movies, I wouldn't mind being there then, you know, the old racing and the, the gladiator chariots and, you know, it's nice and warm there. I don't think I'd like to go anywhere back in time where it's fucking freezing and you haven't got proper clothing or eat. Somewhere, yeah, I think Rome, I like that Roman period, that whole... You know, the old Ben Ben Hall movies being, you know, that type of time period. Go and have a look at that, you know. Mm. Yeah. Uh, you know, how, how do you think you'd fare in, uh, the, in the fucking gladiator, gladiator, gladiator arenas? Like, what the fuck am I trying to say? Uh, gladiator arenas. Brutal. Brutal. <laughs> nah, just, we just give you a trident and you have your judo, jiu-jitsu and your MMA. So you, yeah, I, I think, think, you, okay. I think you, you'd do okay. I'd have the killer instinct anyway. No problem. Yeah, you'd do fine. Now, see, this is a good one. In your professional opinion, do you think you could pull off a handlebar mustache? No. Look, I'm barely even look, growing a bit of a beard there. I'm going grey here. It's bits of red here. I never was able to grow a good mustache. Very weak on the mustache. Good here in the chin part. But no, I don't hear a code now. Well, man, you're doing better than me. I got this is this is the best I can do. It's so shit. 
a man. I cannot grow hair here at all. It's like no, I'm just saying, it, not too bad. I call that the the reverse Hitler when you can't grow hair there. Like yeah. you can't grow a little Hitler stash. Yeah. I call it the the reverse Hitler. All right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We got a bit of a, a moral conundrum here. If you're up for it. So, yeah. Would you rather cure cancer or solve world hunger? I think cancer. Hmm. Uh, good answer, man. See, uh, I, I always say whenever someone picks uh, the world hunger, just as a little uh, bit of a joke, uh, maybe one of the hungry kids will go up to cure cancer, so two for one deal. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, I think with the, with, the, with the hunger thing, there's plenty of food, isn't there? I think, you know, it's, it's, we, just, we, we can all cook back and maybe help a little bit more. I don't know. But I think the cancer thing, it's, you know, devastating families, isn't it, all over the world. Not, not just in one part of the world. Mm. It's everywhere, you know, and kids. Yeah. See them bleeding programs of the kids, breaks your heart, you know, it does my mm. just act like that. I don't think it could be an ambulance driver or work in a hospital, I wouldn't be able to handle it at all, you know. But nah. no, 100%, man. See, uh, yeah, sorry, man, I'm just a bit of indigestion there. See, um, what would you say is your jiu jitsu spirit animal if you have one? Like, what sort of animal like encompasses uh, your game? Oh, yeah, the rhino, the team rhino, the rhino. Running someone head first. Yeah, smash to the ground, top position, put pressure on, look for that submission. That's what I want to do. I'm guessing you're a horny bastard too, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not, not too much now, too well now. <laughs> uh, you got that out of you in your early yeah. years. Okay, man, we're ready for the last question. I got to hear. Yeah. Uh, man, if you created a guard, it doesn't matter what it is, we don't have to get into the minutiae. What would you call your hypothetical guard if you created it? Like Rhino Guard or something, I'm guessing? No, the Dublin Coddle Guard. The what? The, the Coddle Guard. The Coddle. Dublin Coddle Guard. I don't know. Yeah, the Rhino Guard, yeah. The Coddle Guard. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit of everything in it. A bit of everything in the pot. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. I've only just added that question there, so you're like the second person to answer it. But good, Coddle good. Guard. Coddle Guard or Rhino yeah. Guard? Just, yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't complain at them. So, guys, oh, sorry, he's got this thing up. All right, so, Andy, thanks so much for being on the episode. No problem. Any time at all. It's great. Now, guys, if you want to follow Andy, it's at Andy Ryan, uh, Andy underscore Ryan on uh, Instagram, and obviously Team Rhino. He's yeah. all, I'll have them all in the description anyway. So, if you want to check him out, it's all good. But Andy, do you have anything to say before we shoot off? No, just I hope everyone gets back training soon. Um, I think it's very important that we get back in their mats, you know, and we get into the gyms because I know people are pushing. The, I don't usually get involved in politics or talk politics, but I am seeing this lockdown. It's hard on people and it's hard on small businesses and it's hard on gyms, you know. Mm. And you, you can go to McDonald's, get a burger, you get down to the you get down to the office and get a fucking tray of beer, but you can't go and train, you know. It's 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 crazy. And I think it's getting to the stage where, you know, there's people have put their whole life, or I have, and other people put their whole life into building up these gyms and these places, people to train and work out. And like that, it's taken away from us. You know what I mean? So I think we need to be back in the mats, and I hope everyone's back in the mats. Mm. 100%. 100%. So, guys, thanks Again, for listening. Guys, listen to the episode. And, you know, if you want to check out Andy's Instagram, or any of the Team Rhino Instagrams, a few of them will be in the description below, so don't hesitate to have a look at their awesome pages, so and support them as well, especially with all the bullshit going on with the Rona, I tell you, I am close to snapping, <laughs> I'm not even joking, but guys, look, as always, it's at Human Jitsu, at Human Jitsu Podcast, at Shawnee Jitsu and at Con Gracie, thanks for listening guys, adios, see you in the next one.